I'm Andy Hazard, and this is An Agrarian, a dispatch from an outpost in the middle of the Midwest. This is a pockmarked stream of conscious documentary of my reality in this cosmos. Join me on my journey through nature, humanity, and spirituality, evolution, agriculture, archaeology, philosophy, ecology, biology, astrology, psychology, and mathematics, politics, health, community, music, creativity, art, and tech, everything and the kitchen sink. As an agrarian, I employ the tool of planting seeds as a way of shifting reality. This is my audio version of seed planting. Enjoy! Good morning! So the other day I was going to talk about um, membership associations. And I need to do a little bit more digging into this. This is something that a lot of us utilize this idea in our sales in order to alleviate the pressures of a state or federal requirements on us that are not size appropriate. And I think this idea of size appropriate is something that as a country, as a world, we're going to have to get down and dirty with, and we are really going to have to suss this out because what's happening is that the larger a company or a corporation, uh, the more committed to the bottom line they are, the more likely that they're going to do damage that is long lasting and, and the less less accountability there'll be. And the reason that we have all these laws is because there were always unscrupulous um, sort of cloaked actors in the system that were selling milk to people that had heavy metals in it in order to make the milk not go sour because there was no refrigeration. Things like this. These are old things that happened. And, you know, they say that the building code is written in blood. Well, it matters quite a bit if your building is eight stories tall or a hundred or however many, but not so much if it's one story. And so this idea of the size appropriateness of laws is very important. Now, I'm going to turn away from small business and I'm going to go toward our government. The way we've, uh, and we need to couch this in the fact that we don't actually have control over our government. We don't have control. We don't have any kind of, of real vision of where the money goes. And mom always said, follow the money. Well, we can't see it. You can't follow it if you can't see it. So you don't, so since we can't see it, we are obligated to decide um, what we're going to do about that fact. So one thing we can do is that we can remove our money from the system, from uh, the system that we believe is seeking 
to exploit us. That, I think, is the most direct action. It doesn't involve blood or war or anything like that. It doesn't even really involve uh, taking control over our own government. But it does involve disempowerment where it hurts. If suddenly today we took the top three companies and everybody or the majority, let's say we got 70% of us, withdrew their money, withdrew their bets, because that's what the, the markets are bet. It's betting system. It's legalized betting with a lot of rules that are hidden and a lot of other stuff going on. Withdraw your money from the three largest companies and put it somewhere else, wherever you want. Preferably someplace ecologically responsible. What do you think would happen? I mean, look back. Remember that whole thing with uh, GameStop? Remember GameStop? Remember what those people on Reddit did? It was like our Wall Street bets or something like that. That was fascinating. Now that is some organized direct action in that's my America. You know, if the system fucks with you, fuck with the system. Um, which is why I've always liked the term the uh, velvet monkey wrench. So to go on here, I have this vision, this idea, this spark, because I'm tired of turning on the radio and having people tell me that we're divided and that it's all going to burn down and, you know, everybody's out to get you and the replacement and the reset and the this and the that. Neither side is really doing anything. And um, it's for a reason. It's because they can't fix the world for us. We have to fix the world for ourselves. So one of the things that I suggest we do, I have a couple. And these, these are big. These are big. But they don't have to be, you know, we don't have to... We don't have to tear it all down. I don't believe in like tearing things down. I believe in recycling. Reduce, reuse, recycle. So the real issue is that we kind of have a one size fits all situation going on and it doesn't fit. And that's why we feel that we are being unfairly held to standards that were never written for us or made for us because you know, from my viewpoint, I uh, do direct sales. Like if I if I do something wrong, well, you know, hey, look at the baby formula whole thing. Like they're big enough to fuck around. They're big enough for there not to be somewhere for the buck to stop. I'm not. Like it's one, it's a one pony show over here, and if I screw over a client, uh, word's going to get round, I won't be in business long. And we all know that to be true, particularly when you come from a small space where people know each other personally. Um, and this is what, you know, 
humans are created to live this way, like, or, or, or the system is this way. This is very localized relationships. Um, this idea of being connected worldwide is great, but ultimately it's not, it's not making our lives better per se. Um, I would say things have gotten more unpredictable. So that said, uh, excuse me. So as I see it, depending on where you live, there are different things that are important to you. So a person that lives in a city is going to want different rules than someone that lives in the wild. Now, the rules that someone that lives in the wild would want is they don't want some fucking, you know, foreign corporation or regional or state coming in and taking their land. Right? That's their only, like, leave us alone. Stay away from us. We have our system. It works. We don't want your fucking money. And we don't want you taking our trees and our natural resources. But if you live in a city, um, your desires are going to be very different. You know, you're, you're going to be concerned about, like, is food available? Are the streets cleared? Can I get to work? Is the water running? There's just like a whole host of different concerns that one has when you live in a city versus when you live in a rural area. So I, I would propose that in order to, to fix some of the things that ail our country is that we start to approach lawmaking from the point of view of different areas of the country or, or different um, populations. So let's look at populations. So we have cities, which are very dense. Then we have suburban. We have rural. I would say that we have feral areas. And then we have wild areas. So if we could figure out a way to like get the list of laws together and then People in those areas checklist down the laws. Like, we want this, but we don't want that. We want this, we don't want that. Like, here's a good example. I live on a paved road. It's not hard paved. It's um, gravel blacktop. So they put the blacktop down, and then they dump the gravel on it, and then they smooth it out, and it's not an actual concrete road. Now, when I was a child... Many of the rural roads were very narrow, almost one lane, and they all had trees growing over top of them. And flowers, and plants, and frogs, and birds, and life. You know, there were animals living along the roadsides. And yeah, there were potholes, and yeah, you had to go slow, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But you know what? I don't mind that. In fact... I would applaud a return to it for a, a multitude of reasons. And let me count them for you. Less maintenance cost. Hmm. That's expensive. Maintenance is expensive. Maintaining anything is expensive. Less maintenance cost. 
production of natural resources. We could be growing trees on roadsides that we harvest in the future for building supplies or what have you. They're also producing oxygen. They are cutting down on the wind. They are soaking up water, which are all things that we need as the climate changes. Additionally, when done correctly, they can house hundreds of species, plants, plants, animals, soil, biology, so on and so forth. So they become, we have a situation where if, if you think of, of the weather in the world as a clock and it's going tick, tock, tick, tock, well, it used to be. Now it's swinging wildly from side to side. And in fact, this vacillation is getting to the point where it's not even just back and forth. It's like front and back and, you know, angle to angle. And it's starting to just be really chaotic and wild. The only way to slow this is to, quote unquote, reverse time. And we can't reverse time, but we can replant things to create that stability again. It's us to, it is completely up to us whether or not we do this. You know, avoid pain and go toward pleasure. Well, this is painful. It's expensive for one, and we're actually completely crashing our entire society, which is why everything is like this. Because disrespecting nature, removing her as a buffer from our actions is destructive to our societies. And we have to have nature. Like it has to be there if we want any kind of stable society. So anyway, what I propose is that and, and then within this idea of going down and saying, you know what, rural areas don't need that city law. So we're going to say that we're exempt from it. And then we can later vote to take up part of it or not or whatever. But big cities run like big cities. It's a big city machine. We all understand machines, right? You know, a wild area runs on solar. It runs on the sun and the moon and the wind. I mean, like... Natural systems don't need outside inputs from humans. Um, so you go down the list, and this would be an opportunity here for states to really say, you know what, we, we're not going to participate in this program or this other program because we feel for us that, that we don't, we don't want to do that. And then if the people want to change their mind later on, they can. They could participate. They could create their own and fund it themselves within their own state. This would allow the states, and here is the issue. We've all been trying to be hammered into square holes. And that worked for a long time in this country, but now it doesn't. Things are changing. And I believe every state should have freedom to decide what's best for its constituents. And I guess if the constituents don't like the political leaders, they'll take them out. 
Unfortunately, right now, what we have going on is states don't like this, that, or the other, and neither party's doing anything about it, but the finger gets pointed at the other side, and it just devolves into the hell hole that we see currently. So this would potentially get us out from underneath that. Now, this will bring up a big conversation about military and roads and things like that. Now, do I think we need interstate highways? Yes. There's no denying that. And of course, I would hope that my state would participate in that program. Now, there are a lot of other programs, though, that I might like how they run, but I think that we could run them better if we did them either by ourselves or in tandem with the other group of people, because this allows us to say, we don't want to fund this at all. Okay, so it's like zero. We want to fund it a little bit. We want to fund it more, you know, we're up to three. We want to fund it 50%, four is 75%, five is 100%. So this could do anything from food stamps to healthcare, um, could be even agriculture. I mean, a whole state could decide like, you know what, we're not going to participate in the USDA anymore. We're just not doing it. And we're not paying in and we don't want any of the money. And that's the thing though. Like if you don't pay in, then you don't get any money. Um, and I think that there could or should be some sort of match uh, when we apply for grants and things. Like, for example, Illinois, we pay a lot of taxes in Illinois. Well, part of the reason we pay those taxes is because when we submit $100 to government, we're only getting about $50 back because we are subsidizing other states. Now, maybe it's for military reasons, because we don't really have any military bases here, but it can't be all that money. Can't 50% of our taxes not coming back? So I think we really need to look at this. And there are some states that are heavily dependent on the government and some states that aren't. Illinois happens to be at the bottom. Um, and I'd like to change that. I, I don't think that we should be subsidizing the rest of the country to the degree that we are. I don't think that's fair. And if, if they're just going to give us 50 cents of it back anyway, why don't we just keep that in the first place? Because every time it passes through hands, we know how that works, middlemen, it, it costs something. So... It just does none of that makes sense to me. Like I and, and I feel like for every percentage point of tax that we're matching, we should definitely get that back. Like if the people of Illinois put up a hundred million in tax dollars that we pay to our state, then the feds need to match that back with our own tax dollars that we paid in. You know, because it needs to be a match system. That's how grants work with the feds. I don't know if you've ever gotten one, but the the one experience I had with the federal grant was that I had to match every dollar that I was requesting. So let's just say I request $10,000. I have to match that in cash, in labor, or in raw materials. Because it's not a freebie. You know, you, you have to put up your 
capital, so to speak, to 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 get your money. And um, <clears throat> I just think that this would work so much better. And it would give an opportunity for states to have more freedom to do whatever they want and and not be beholden to the beliefs or the whatever of other states. And so back to this idea, wild, feral, rural, suburban city. Well, people that live out in the wild where there's no other people around, they don't need services. They provide them for themselves. They don't need garbage pickup. They don't need water. They don't need this, that, and the other. They're off grid. They're not a burden, right? They don't need to have their needs met by a larger system. Nature is meeting their needs. So what would feral be? So I would personally like to live a more feral lifestyle. Right now, I'm hooked up to the grid. I got ComEd coursing through the uh, electrical lines over here, and I really don't like it. I wish there was a better way. I wish that we could get away from it, but we're not there yet. But ultimately, I would like to be there. And ultimately, if if the worst case scenario comes true, and I'm going to predict that climate change fallout is going to be a magnitude way worse than what we think it is because nature is very large, she's logarithmic, and so on and so forth. This is a funny aside. Last night, I think it was while I was laying in bed, I've been listening to Robert Sapolsky, who is a professor from Stanford. He does a lot of stuff about like human biology and all that kind of stuff. I mean, his lectures are brain twisters. But it got me to thinking about numbers and how we, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then it starts over. But what if actually nature had a unique number for every number? There were no repeats. Like what if the real system is that there's no repeats? Because everything in nature is unique. Nothing is alike ever. Because there's a time-space continuum and everything is constantly changing and genetically and epigenetically and all these different ways. So yeah, that was just like a weird aside. But we do understand nature through a logarithmic mathematical systems, even though that may not be the reality that it operates in because um, we don't understand it yet. Anyway, hopefully that makes sense. Point being... A feral area would be an area that is not connected to the grid, and it's done intentionally so. And additionally, it's created as a space where everything is made from something else. Everything is a redesign. It's it's a rethought. It's recreated. It's it's completely. Um, Recyclable, reusable, all those things. It's a man-made space. Um, it's not necessarily overseen by laws and rules because it's a space where we have control 
over ourselves. And there's limits. The government could put limits on what can be built or created in those spaces and, the, and a little bit of rules around it, but really nothing. And the idea being that the fact of the matter is, is that there's going to be millions of people migrating within this country and with others as climate change ramps up because they're going to have to fucking move. And there's no, there's no money, obviously, because everybody's broke because the system is broken and all the money is flowing out and not coming back because we don't tax corporations and they put it all in offshore accounts and, you know, all that stuff. So we can't be held to the same standards when the system is not the same as it was 50 years ago when the laws were written. We don't have any of the same things. Like we don't have the same workplace. We don't have the same financial stability that we had. We don't have any of that. And so the laws are going to have to change. And it's going to be painful unless we sit and talk about it and what that could look like. It doesn't have to be. But there are a huge number of laws and rules and regulations that are going to have to go for certain subsets of people. I think. I believe this to be true. I don't know. I know what we have doesn't work. It's not working anymore. So I'm trying to tease out these other options, but I like more states' rights, and I like different rules for different populations, densities. So it's something for you to think about. Could this work? Is this the way we could potentially go? If so, how would we do it? I would propose that states, we propose a framework in which, an experimental framework, where we allow states to, to make small reconfigurations at the local level about how they run things and then see what works there. Use it as a proving and a testing ground. But we need some of these tax dollars back because we cannot... This state in particular cannot continue to subsidize other states with half of the taxes that we pay. It's just not going to work. Um, I mean, we're getting, things are getting better here. We were at, I don't know what our rating was. They, at one point, I think our Moody's rating was one of the worst you could get. I think we're back up to a B, um, which is good. And they have paid down a ton of debt. And one of the issues was that in the previous administration, there's a law in our books that says that without a budget, we can't pay our bills. Well, that's what happened for four years. We didn't have a budget and we didn't pay our fucking bills. So maybe we need to change that law and say, even if we don't have a budget, we still have to pay our bills. Because I don't always have a budget, but I still fucking pay my bills. And our governments need to work like our homes do because it really is just a larger version of, of that. Um, additionally, I think states, you know, should be able to, I don't know, we'll have to figure it out. Every state's going to have to work it out on their own. Um, 
And there still needs to be ways to... I mean, what'll be interesting is if we end up with states' rights and a state becomes as corrupt as the federal government is, but it's it's got its voters tied up in knots so that they can't get rid of the... Um, they can't get rid of the ruling party, who's going to come save them? Like, how will they save themselves from a corrupt ruling party at the state level? I mean, how are we going to save ourselves from corruption in our ruling parties at the federal level? Well, we're going to try to take some of the power away from the feds and bring it home. And so I guess it'll it'll dribble back down to the local level and we'll sort it out. Or, I don't know, people will get heated. That'll be for them to decide. Um, but I do know that there's always more transparency when it's more local. And I'm not saying that none of us should pay taxes um, to participate in other programs and help our fellow Americans. But I also am saying is like, as climate change bears down... How many times are we going to pay to clean up cities that are flooded over and over and over and over again? This is going to last for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. This isn't like, oh, we'll reverse climate change and everything will go back to normal in five years. No, 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 no. This is going to last for hundreds of years. The, the powers that we have unleashed on this planet are massive. It's just snowballs rolling down hills everywhere and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and they're starting to crash into us. Like, even if we went to zero right now, pollution and carbon and started reversing biodiversity change, the poles aren't going to stop melting like, it's baked into the system at this point to, to a degree. We don't know how far, but it's going to melt. It's going to melt. Like, we're not that fast. There are there's too much greed. There's too much corruption. There's too much power and control and lack of accountability. This isn't going to go away overnight. So, I mean, I just am ready to get ready for the long haul here. And what does the long haul look like in terms of population changes, growth, um, resources? It's just uh, something we really need to think about. And we need large swaths of people in rural areas rural, feral, and wild, to be mostly independent of government assistance and interaction. We need to be independent. We need to be making our own power. We need to be making our own fuel. These disruptions that we're seeing are because of consolidation. Disruptions in food, meat, baby formula, all these things. This is because the system is too top heavy. We have to decentralize production. 
we have to have we have to not only decentralize we have to break apart or we don't even have to break apart like abbott laboratories whatever what it needs to be is more people need to be able to manufacture baby food and we need to decide what's a reasonable amount of safety protocol in doing that. Um, because now we're saying we're not weighing safety. We're weighing like what happens when there's none? Well, if there's none, people are definitely going to die. It just becomes, yeah. So decentralization of production, making it disconnected from the grid, making, making rural areas more independent and more able to produce the food that cities require so that they can be more independent of this global system. When we get there, we will have plenty of food. We will still be shipping food, we'll still be importing, we'll still be exporting. But the whole system will be less wobbly. It's going to be less susceptible to the perturbations of the planet giving us all a good shake because she's pissed. Uh, I think that might be it for now. Okay, I'm back. Because I had another thought. So this idea of states being like experimental proving grounds is really powerful because we can start to suss out like best practices type stuff. We can create little systems to manage things and do this and do that. And so like, for example... I was going to say take a state, and then I thought, we'll try it with a county. No, let's try it with a town, okay? I'm going to pick Seward. Seward is exceedingly small. I mean, maybe 100 or 200 people, but not living in town, but the total little township. So what if they all decided, like, hey, you know what? We're going to maintain our side roads and ourselves, and we're going to have our own lumber mill and we're going to erect some power making things. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to create some wind power for ourselves and some water power because say we have a creek, which I don't really think they have a good sized creek in Seward Township, but... Um, I think wind would be the best bet. We're going to look to ourselves to supply our needs, our food, our meat, our water, our power, our natural resources, so on and so forth. So your first question might be like, well, how are they going to maintain their roads? Well, as it turns out, the people of Seward Township decided that they didn't want to continue using limestone on the roads. So they came up with a different idea. This is my idea. This was in Farm Show Magazine, and I really want to try it. They were mixing corn. So it, anyone that farms, that feeds cattle or whatever, you will notice around the feed bunk where the corn falls out and mixes with the manure and 
is under pressure from the hooves of animals, that it will harden into a concrete-like substance. It's something about the manure and the sugars of the corn and the biological processes. It can make almost an impermeable surface. So everybody in Seward decides, you know what? We're just going to freaking make our roads out of corn and manure. And we're going to figure out how to do this. And we're going to have somebody build our own uh, press for ethanol. And we're going to grow a million trees. And we're going to produce these types of nuts. And we're going to all plant hedges to cut down in our power usage. And we're all going to do this and we're all going to do that. And, you know... The so-and-so family is going to take over um, milk production for us. And this family is going to do this. And we'll create a little grocery store in town like there was when we were kids. And the bank is empty now. So that will be the space where we trade goods, where we donate things. And that way nobody has to buy anything if they don't want to. They could just come here and trade out things. And that's where we'll also, we'll have a community scrapyard and we'll have this and we'll have that. Everybody will get together and figure it out, right? Would it work? Could it work? Would we even want to try to make it work? The town could ostensibly offer a home to a doctor. It still has the doctor's house there. Um, and then we would have health care. Uh, there is a school in town that could be taken back over and used for education. Um, it's being used for other things. Right now, some small businesses have set up in there and the post office is there. But, you know, there could be reconfiguration there. We could make things work. Um yeah, I, I I think I think it's incumbent on us as communities to really recognize that we gotta figure out how to take care of ourselves. And it's a lot easier. It doesn't really make sense for every single one of us to build an oil press. It makes sense to have a community oil press. It makes sense to have a community this, a community that. And have multiple people that know how to operate the system um, as a backup. Why can't we have experimental communities? Why can't we have low-impact housing that's community-built, that the community says this is the standards we think are suitable and we feel safe and comfortable with for this community. And it's going to be different depending on whether you're in a city, a suburb, a rural, a feral, or a wild area. And that's okay 
That's the strength of our system. That's the strength of us having choices and options. Right now, we don't have choices and options. We have the big, the big way or the highway. And that's not what we want. Well, I'm speaking for myself. That's not what I want. I like horsepower in the form of a horse. Just because we've lived this reality doesn't mean we have to continue to live it. I mean, it's evidenced by the Amish and the Mennonite communities, for example. And I use them because they're nearby. And there are a lot of things about their communities that I really like. Amish-ish, I would say, is what I would like to be somewhere. Do I want to have their religious belief system? No, no, no. Do I want to have to dress like them? No. Are there rules and structures that they've created to manage their societies that I think would be useful for what I envision? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, I think there are. And this idea of analyzing a technology and deciding, is the use of this technology going to be beneficial for our community or not? and then deciding whether or not they have the freedom. They have more freedom than us because they're willing to deny certain types of technology and saying, we don't think that's for the good of all, for the good of us, and so we're not going to utilize it. The rest of us are just like forced into it. We have no freedom I mean, it comes down to this, like how interdependent do you want to be with your government? I mean, the idea of the government is to protect us from the bad actors. Well, the problem is, is that's not working because the government has been taken over by the bad actors. And just to hit on the reset thing real quick, the reset, the redo, whatever this whole thing is, um, replacement, I'm going to point something out. And I don't know why this didn't occur to me the other day, but there is a replacement going on. No doubt about that. Jobs that we used to have in this country have been replaced with jobs overseas. It's been going on for 30, 40 years, hasn't it? 50 years? Offshore, move it offshore. Americans don't want these jobs. We don't want to pay this much for it. We can't afford to sell this product at these price points if we have this manufactured in America. Well... It's not foreigners or immigrants or refugees that are coming to replace you. It's machines. And they've been here for a long time. And you've watched them replace you. Well, that's what's going on. That's what's going on.
We're being replaced by AI, artificial intelligence, right? Human intelligence and machinery. So if you don't want to live that reality, I suggest you start thinking about alternatives, about how to extricate yourself from a system that doesn't benefit you really in any way. In fact, it's only harming you. And that involves removing your money from it. You got to stop feeding the beast. And you need to identify what that beast is. It's different for everybody. And to go into this once more, you know, both sides, everybody is basically throwing sand in our eyes and saying, oh, look over there, it's them, it's them. This whole us and them thing. It's those people that wanna, you know, take your this, that, and the other. When in reality, you better look closer. Because mom always said, follow the money. And there's places to do that. You know, the Center for Responsive Politics. There is places out there that track dark money and politics and all other things. Hey, if you really want to take a deep dive, we'll go together real quick. Let me just dig this out. Sorry. Didn't think I was going to go here, but uh, here we go. Just so you know, America the Great, um, this is the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. I highly suggest signing up for their newsletter. And I'm going to read directly from it. Since we first began publishing the Pandora Papers, We've brought you investigation after investigation on the United States' role as a rising destination for hidden wealth, rivaling or surpassing the financial secrecy offered in overseas tax havens. Our reporting has zeroed in on a booming American trust industry that's drawn the assets of oligarchs, politicians, alleged criminals, scammers, and more. Today, transparency advocates echoes our findings in a new report that highlights the United States and other Western democracies' disproportionate role in fueling global financial secrecy. The U.S. took the top spot in the Tax Justice Network's Biannual Financial Secrecy Index. Sorry, that's a mouthful. Um, surpassing notorious tax havens like Switzerland, the Cayman Islands, and Bermuda. Uh, it's TJN, Tax Justice Network. TJN points out lax trust laws and wealthy G7 countries who are meeting this week in Germany for hindering global progress on financial transparency, urging the importance of beneficial ownership databases and enforcing sanctions and curbing international money laundering. And it's not just advocates making the call. Some U.S. lawmakers are pressing the secretary to expedite creating a corporate ownership registry that's behind schedule 
these delays undermine American efforts to respond to Ukraine's war against, or Russia's war against Ukraine and hinder broader efforts to protect the U.S. financial system against the threat of illicit finance, a bipartisan group of senators said in a letter to the Treasury officials last week. Trusts are targeted. Trust companies and corporate service providers were singled out for the first time in new U.S. sanctions as stateside financial transparency proposals see opposition from the industry. So, um, yeah, you might want to check it out. It, you know, the International Consortium, Consortium of Investigative Journal, Journalists and... I think that it's very insightful. It shows you, um, here's an article on here. ICIJ publishes the final batch of Pandora Papers data on more than 9,000 offshore entities. It, the inside story of how the offshore leaks database became a go-to resource. You know, the government's been utilizing the Pandora Papers to find these oligarchs and find their money. Um, how a ruthless Irish gang found a home away from home in Dubai and an enemy in the White House. Engulfed by economic collapse and mass protests, Sri Lanka's Pandora Papers probe is stalled. Swedish anti-corruption agency launches probe into suspicious Ericsson payments in Iraq. Who helps the Russian oligarchs secretly buy jets, yachts, and other luxury pay things? Russian bankers shuffled personal wealth offshore long before the latest sanctions. The gatekeepers who helped open America to oligarchs and scammers. This is a great article. And... Um, I read this, and it was really good, and I will put it in the notes. All right. I think that's it. I think that my rant has come to an end for the day, or at least this part of the day. Have an awesome one, and let's start really envisioning and building what we want. I want my tractors to run on corn that I grow and someone else or myself presses to create ethanol. That seems like a good use of my resources. Bye! Hey y'all, if you have an idea for an episode, a thought, anything at all, leave it in a voice message here on the app and keep on going up.